Hey, Boilermakers! Welcome to the Success Express. I'm Grayson Stanjakevich, and I'm so glad you're listening in. Every episode, I sit down with an esteemed guest, and we discuss all the questions we have as students and job seekers. We're talking about job interviews, internships, networking, and how to put your best foot forward. We're tackling the hard questions like, how do I create a competitive resume as a freshman? Or, how do I smoothly transition from undergrad to my first job? Our guests share advice, personal experiences, lessons learned, and so much more. It's all here and it's happening right now. Welcome to the Success Express. Today's guest is Will Franklin. Will is graduating with a bachelor's degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering and a certificate in entrepreneurship. Ever since Will can remember, he was absolutely fascinated by space and had a long-term dream of working for NASA. Will applied multiple times for the NASA co-op program before he even got an interview, and it wasn't until his second time interviewing for the internship that he was finally offered a position. Upon completing the co-op program in Houston, Will landed a full-time job with NASA and mission control. Hearing no can be discouraging and often make us want to give up, but Will's story is a great example of how to turn a no into not yet. Today, Will shares advice on how to relentlessly pursue your dream in the midst of rejection. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Will. Hey, Will. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Grace, and I'm excited to be here today and talk to you. Yeah, we're super pumped to have you here. Um, NASA, that is super impressive, and I know that that is a goal for many of our Boilermakers. Mm -hmm. So to have somebody who actually accomplished and achieved that here um, on the show is super cool. So let's just, to start things off, give us a little timeline of what it looked like um, during the application process for the NASA co-op program. Yeah, so I first applied to um, what's called the NASA, uh, excuse me, the NASA Pathways Program, which is their main pipeline into um, getting hired as a civil servant in the government to work for NASA. Um, I applied for that for the first time, I think it was my sophomore year here at Purdue, and I was selected for an interview, and I spent probably three hours preparing for that interview, and it was the best interview of my life, and I was very sadly received the news that I did not receive an offer. Applied several more times over the course of the next year and a half, probably four or five more times at least, and then eventually got selected to interview one more time, and actually in an interview that I did not think I did very well in, uh, funny enough, actually got selected that time, and now I uh, have completed uh, the co-op process down in Houston and have recently been selected for full-time employment down there. That's crazy. Yeah. So how many total times do you think you applied? Probably five or six at least. And if you include the other NASA that was just Johnson Space Center. If you include the other NASA centers I applied to, it was probably closer to 15 or 20. When they told you no the first time after you interviewed and it was you thought it was the best interview of your life, how did you decide to, to not let that get in your way? Like what made you decide to apply again? So... Yeah, I, I took a more pragmatic view at first of, you know, realizing that not everyone gets to land their dream job out of college. So I put, focused most of my effort on pursuing other job opportunities. So in case I uh, didn't end up being able to work at NASA ever or right away, I would still be able to be employed. And um, I did that and I actually ended up working at three other companies before getting hired at NASA. But on the side, I still knew that uh, working at NASA specifically in flight operations for human spaceflight and mission control was something that I just felt like I couldn't not pursue. Um, so I kept kind of pursuing that on the side when I saw that there were openings again, and I just kept applying over and over and over again. Um, after you do it once, the way their system is set up, it doesn't take too long to do it again. So it wasn't like a huge time commitment. 
Um, and so, yeah, I eventually got in after doing it enough times. <laughs> Would you say that, like, that's the way to sneak in the door is to just keep beating it down? Yeah, that's what most people do, honestly. It's I've, it's very rare that I've heard, I've become friends with a lot of people who've participated in the program. And while there are a lot of people who get in on their first try, there's also a very decent percentage at it might even be more than half of people who had to apply multiple times to get in just because the program is so in high demand, specifically Johnson Space Center, which might be the hardest one to get into because everyone thinks Mission Control is the super cool place to be. So yeah, there's normally like a few thousand applicants for like 30 or 40 spots a year. And so a lot of people who eventually get in, it's not, it wasn't their first time applying by the time they get in. So, so that's a pretty common story down in Houston. So what makes you think that you stood out um, the second time that you interviewed? So I kind of just went all out in extracurriculars here, both in terms of things outside of engineering. I was very involved in student government and held several different leadership positions within student government. And then I also was involved in leadership of several um, aerospace engineering organizations while I was here and got to participate in a uh, unique senior design project. And all of those things combined, I kind of did with the intention of hopefully being able to set myself apart for some cool employer and preferably NASA someday. And so being able to talk about those experiences that I hadn't had the first time I interviewed right. um, really set me apart, um, I feel like, and because I was involved in a lot of things that a lot of people who apply for that kind of work weren't involved in so it made me appear more well-rounded sure of course yeah. i mean extracurriculars is always something that you can be intentional about and something that you have control over exactly but you also mentioned that you interned for three other companies yeah. prior to nasa mm-hmm. yeah i worked uh for the smithsonian institution in washington dc at their air and space museum right after my freshman year of college and then i spent two summers um, working for subsidiary companies of uh Textron, which is an engineering company, uh, they own Bell Helicopters, so I worked there in Dallas my uh, after my sophomore year, and I worked um, at another company of theirs that works on drones in Baltimore after my junior year, um, all while in the process of kind of behind the scenes applying to NASA as much as I could. So would you say that between all of your extracurriculars and your previous internships, that those were the things that prepared you the most for the internship at NASA? Yeah, I'm, I'm obviously on top of the fact the fact that in the aerospace program at Purdue, um, NASA, especially down in Houston, actually hires not maybe not a majority, but definitely a plurality of their uh, engineers that aren't from Texas are definitely from Purdue, and they know the rigor of our academic programs, especially in engineering. And so that definitely helped. But extra icing on the cake definitely was the fact that I had already interned for three separate companies. A lot of people who apply and even some who get into NASA's programs have never had a job before. Mm. And so being able to talk about how I had done a ton of classwork and been involved in some unique projects on top of the fact that I'd interned in three separate companies doing three totally different types of work, project management, uh, hardware, structural testing, and then uh, some software development, being able to do all three of those things and talk about that in my interview the second time around, I think was really what set me apart. So So it's not just beating down the door, but it's also being strategic about how you're building your resume to set you apart for the next time you try to beat down the door. It's both. Yeah. It comes down to a work ethic thing at the end of the day, in my opinion, but work ethic can take you really far, but it's can take you farther if you are strategic about how you spend your time while you're here on campus for sure i think some people have this misconception that once they hear no from a company that that's it that to reach out again or to apply again would come off as annoying or overbearing what is your take on yeah definitely not um at least at nasa they actually base once you get to the interview stage i have since learned that they actually base the majority of their decision the highest weighted category 
actually has very little to do with um, kind of the stuff that you bring to the table and experience. That's certainly very important, and that's something that is huge in getting you an interview in the first place. But right. when you're actually doing the interviews, which they conduct online, the heaviest thing they wait is passion and passion for NASA's mission. And that's true with several other engineering companies that I have colleagues that have worked at with as well. Um, and they just want to know that you're just like totally obsessed with what they do and are going to bring a can-do attitude. Um, most HR reps that I've talked to would say that they would much rather have somebody who is slightly less talented, but like way more passionate than the other way around where some guy's just there to take a paycheck, but is super talented because right. that's going to, uh, increase the work environment for everyone around you at the end of the day, which could increase productivity. So yeah, definitely do not subscribe to the opinion that once you get rejected, you're done at all. I love that. That's revolutionary. I think for a lot of people. Because I think it's just human nature that, you know, when you hear no, you get rejected, your pride's hurt, and you don't want to be the annoying person. Mm. But I love what you said about the person who's passionate and the person who reaches out and the person who makes it known that no matter what they want to be there, that's the person that you're going to want on your team. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So what advice would you give to anyone who's having a hard time achieving their dream? Uh, so a couple of things. One is, yeah, not to sound like a broken record, but um, don't be afraid to apply again and keep applying and stay in touch with the people who even rejected you. Um, if you have, you'll often have their emails and sometimes their phone numbers. Um, obviously be professional about it, but the, right. that's something that was huge in my um, my ability to eventually get a job at NASA is just, yeah, don't be afla- um, afraid to apply again. Uh, thing number two is uh, be strategic about how you spend your time when you're here on campus at Purdue with what activities you get involved in. Um, and don't be afraid to pursue other internships um, it, that might not be directly 100% related to what you want to do, uh, but just so you can get work experience that can diversify yourself. And then um, thirdly, this is kind of a more aerospace-related thing, and then I'll expand upon that because I'm sure I know a lot of people at Purdue, uh, specifically when I work for NASA, don't necessarily hone in your dream job if you want to work at NASA on NASA, especially in today's economy, there's like 20 other companies, actually, for some of our projects, up to 100 private companies that NASA actually hires to do a lot of the technical work kind of for us. And so a lot of people who think that their dream job might be to work at NASA actually might even be a better fit at one of these private companies. So I would encourage a lot of people um, to look into, if you're interested in working at NASA, also look into the companies that we hire to do work for us. A lot of the people who work at NASA aren't civil servants for the government. They're paid by contractors. Look into that. And so if you're listening to this and you're not an engineer or you are um, not, or you're an engineer and you're not necessarily interested in working in aerospace, apply that principle to whatever your industry is. There's always a deeper level of subcontractors that a lot of people aren't aware of. And so don't necessarily hone yourself in on one company and not have a backup plan. You can still pursue your dreams. Um, And in fact, in my experience, most people succeed in pursuing their dreams by ending up at a place that's kind of related and maybe even works under the place where they wanted to be. Um, And I just got very lucky and fortunately got into what my first idea was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would say expand your horizons a bit and you'll even increase your percentage of ending up in a job that you'll be fulfilled in. That's great advice. And that's just, that's the way that the world works these days. Like Mm -hmm. there are multiple avenues. Yeah. That lead to the same place. Yeah, definitely. And NASA is a great example of that. So this is um, one question that we're trying to ask all of our guests. And I know you kind of already talked about this, but I'm trying to see if there's like something outside of this conversation that you could think of. Um, what is something that you failed at in college and how did you learn from it? Oh, man. There yeah, are lots of things. <laughs> yeah, again, if you're an engineer listening to this, you can totally relate to this. So I had to build a uh, robot my first semester here at Purdue. And the night before the final demo, the robot gave my me and all of my teammates computers a virus and like deleted the giant program that made it work. 
Um, what? The night before? <laughs> yeah, and it's the only, it, to be fair, to be completely honest, the only fully, completely legitimate all-nighter I've pulled in college was that night, because I spent all night trying to fix it, and I, I couldn't. And so, it's a really long story, but really long story short, we uh, completely failed that project, and um, something I learned about through that experience was just the importance of um, perseverance and having good relationships with your professors. Ooh, yeah. Um, we actually didn't procrastinate that project. We were like, had been working on it all semester. I was under the naive perception as a young freshman that if you manage your time the best you can and are always super efficient with your time, that you'll always get everything done perfectly and nothing will ever go wrong. Mm, and nope. <laughs> something I've learned that has actually served me well through other adventures in my professional life thus far is, yeah, that's not true. And even if you do things that yeah, 100% super efficient and don't procrastinate and do things over time, you still have to always be prepared uh, for the curveball and things can always go wrong at the last second. And it's about how you you anticipate those. You even almost expect that something really bad is going to happen. And so you can respond to it as a better leader and as a better teammate. Well, that's true. Yeah, you can work <laughs> super hard and do your absolute best and things can still fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, in my experience, I would advise people to almost anticipate that happening. And so that you can be prepared to still save the day uh, right. without Catch a, the with pieces a, as they fall. Right, without an emotional explosion, especially if you're working in a team setting. Um, right to be the best teammate and leader you can be in those situations. And even if you fail a giant project, you could still get hired at NASA. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the take-home That's message. That's the take-home message, I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, Work hard. <laughs> yes. Thanks so much, Will. We loved having you today. Yeah, it was great to be here, Grayson. Thanks. If you have any questions about anything we discussed today, you can find our show notes on the CCO's website at purdue.cco.edu. Click on blog posts, and the show notes will be under the Success Express folder. I would also like to invite you to join our Instagram community. Give us a follow at Purdue CCO and stay up to date on all upcoming workshops, events, and career fairs. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. As always, feel free to stop by the CCO and meet with one of our consultants to discuss your resume, interview skills, or visit our career closet. You can also schedule an appointment to meet one-on-one with a career counselor. We are located in Young Hall, and we're open Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Well, that's all we have for today, folks. I'm Grayson Sanchikevich, and thanks for tuning in to the Success Express.